0: talk about the, uh, uh, we're going on with the RBD uh, lessons tonight, and uh, some people may ask, why in the world do we have to teach the same things over and over and over and over? Oh, I forgot the offering. Pitiful. What am I going to do when I'm, never mind, I won't say it. When I'm real old. (laughs) What am I... What am I going to do when I'm ancient? I didn't say... Did I say anything? Brother Fox gets antsy. Every time I talk about age, he gets real antsy. I don't understand it. Anyway, I'm going to have to... I'll just shut up. Uh, We are talking tonight about the prophecies... Uh, of one God, and uh, people may ask why do, we, why do we constantly rehash the same things? Everybody in here, everybody in here understands that there is one God. Amen. Is there anybody in here that does not believe that there's one God? And he believes there's two gods. Sister Roxanne, she raised both hands. We're going to have an altar call right now, Pray that. but it's very vital and important that we understand that the power in which that we possess and what God has given us, it comes from the understanding of the foundation of believing that there is one God and we know who He is. We know who He is. Has anybody ever built anything, any structures, or been a part of any kind of structures, or just watched? Or have you ever? Some of you women are looking at me like I'm crazy. Have, have you ever tried to balance a, or a, take a piece of furniture in your house and it, it wobbled like this? And it was because had nothing to do with the top, really, of the of what you were trying to uh, keep stable or level out. It always has something to do with what it is sitting on, which is the foundation. And the the more level the foundation is, it is a lot easier to build the rest of the structure. The problem with people a lot of times is in their walk with God, is that you, you walk down the street and the roof, spiritually speaking, is crooked and they're they're having problems in their walk with God. And the problem is it's not uh, with, with the rest of their structure because a lot of times they have a lot of things together like holiness and stuff. But the, the, the truth of the matter is that they have foundation issues. They, they lack in power. They lack in understanding. And our foundation should be built in one God and who He is and the understanding of one God. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the chief cornerstone. I've talked about that many times, and uh, you probably get sick of hearing it. But a cornerstone was a benchmark in which a building is measured from, or everything that uh, is the structure from a benchmark, it comes from that point of reference. A benchmark, a point of reference. And a cornerstone was set. And everything that was measured after that cornerstone is set should measure from the point of reference, which was Jesus Christ. And if we don't understand the point of reference, then we're going to get the rest of the structure wrong. If we have problems in our relationship with God, nine times out of ten, it's because we have a problem with understanding the power of God, or who God truly is. We can easily say we believe in one God, and it's easy to say that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, but can you tell somebody why Jesus Christ is God in the flesh? Do you know the Scriptures? Can you take them to those Scriptures? I remember as a child, before I could do... Uh, go places. We had Bible readings. And my father taught us scriptures and won God's scriptures. And before I could go to a lot of places, he we had to learn some of these things. And it was ingrained in me. And some of the things I forgot. But when I got out of church, when I got out of church and was doing stupid things... Brother Anthony, sometime I'd go to bed and God would flash Scriptures in front of my mind. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after tradition of men and not after Christ, for in Him dwelt the fullness of Godhead bodily. All those Scriptures, one God's Scriptures. And it was that is where we get our power from. That is where we get our endurance to endure to the end. The book of Genesis records the creation of mankind. It begins with the creation of Adam and Eve. And from there it tells us how man fell from God and sin entered into the world. And Adam and Eve were forced to leave the Garden of Eden. This happened in the first two chapters of Genesis. And God did not waste any time offering hope because in Genesis 3.15, the first prophecy concerning the Messiah is given to man. It says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. God, uh, he wanted to establish that very quickly in the Word of God, and I'll tell you why he did. And I, I brought this out before. In the first chapter, when, uh, when, uh, 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 or the first couple chapters of Genesis, the first thing that Satan used on Eve is when he was trying to tempt her. Notice, he never denied the existence of God. The devil will never deny the existence of God. A couple of people will. People in the world, the Bible says a fool says there's no God. They've lied to themselves. They really don't believe that. There's really not any... Uh, What's the word um, not atheist. I don't believe there's an atheist. I, I, I do not believe that there's any atheist. They have lied to themselves. They, they'll tell you they don't believe there's a God, but there's, they truly believe that there is a God. But the very thing that Satan did when he, when he talked to Eve, he never denied the existence of God. It would be foolish. She had already experienced God. She had already experienced the Word of God. She had already seen His power. But what He did was He came to her and He said that if you eat of this fruit, He said you will be as gods, which is plural, assuming, uh, uh, insinuating that there was more than one. He never did say that there was not uh, a God. He said that there was God's. So very, very uh, uh, early on in the Scripture, the devil knew that if he could get her to believe that there was more than one, it would uh, dumb down the power of the one God. You understand that? That's why the, that the Trinity doctrine is the biggest lie in the, in the world, because the devil wants people to believe that God can't uh, do things on his own. The fact remains that everybody believes that there's one Satan, one devil, and the devil wants everybody to believe that it takes three gods or two gods to defeat one devil. I think that's the best I got right there. So he he comes to her and he says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. God promised this Messiah that would save his people from their sin and that this Messiah would come from the seed of a woman. I find it quite amusing and interesting that Satan deceived a woman shamed her and lied to her, and then God turns right around, this is awesome, turns right around and allowed a woman uh, to produce a seed that would kick him right in the teeth. You know what that tells me, Brother Anthony? Don't ever mess with a woman. That's what I got out of that Scripture. You better believe it. I mean... The devil, he comes in the garden, he lies to her, he gets her to sin, and all of a sudden, she, the, the, a woman produces the seed to kick his head in. Don't ever mess with a woman. I'm, t- I'm preaching to the men right here. I know this by experience. If you don't like your eggs burnt, then... I'm talking about one God here. What am I doing? So the world, after God had made that promise of the Messiah to be fulfilled throughout centuries, God, through His Word and by the mouths of prophets, He gave glimpses of the Messiah like a jigsaw puzzle. He revealed the Messiah to His people piece by piece. You know, you ever look at the attributes of great men of God throughout history, and you can see each one of them carried a great attribute uh, of God and, uh, and Jesus Uh, Noah, he was a deliverer of his family. He built salvation. He built the salvation not according to his own plans, but according to God's plans. What an attribute that he had. And then on through history. And Abraham, he was the father of the faithful, and he would have many sons, and they they would be the salvation, if you will, To the people, and then uh, of course Moses was the deliverer. He would take them through the water, and they, uh, and which was a type and shadow of baptism. All these men throughout history uh, in the Old Testament before Christ had uh, resemblances of of God or the Man Christ Jesus. David, he was a, a shepherd. He was uh, he was the light of Israel, and so he God showed Himself piece by piece to man. And Micah five and two written around. I think I've got scriptures are coming up here, right? I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I, uh, yeah, Micah. But thou Bethlehem, I don't even know how to pronounce that word. Sister Kim, how do you pronounce that word? You don't know either. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of this... Sh- <laughs> I was just kidding. You probably got it right. Out of these shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler of Israel, whose going forth shall, be, uh, shall have been from the old... From, i got to read over here. Sorry. I can't see from, with my glasses far. <laughs> That's pitiful. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth been from old, from everlasting. Notice that the the seed in Bethlehem would come through Judah. And he said that he would would start in the beginning... And to everlasting, talking about Jesus Christ. This is talking about Jesus Christ. And at this time, Bethlehem, it was just a very small town and insignificant. He was saying that there, I'm going to rise up out of a place of insignificance. And I'm going to have a face. And my name's going to be called Jesus. And I'm going to be from old and to Everlasting. And everlasting, which means eternity. What he was saying was that I am going to come in a form of a man. I am going to be, this Jesus, this one called Jesus is going to be God. I'm going to become what I uh, what I wasn't and still remain what I was. That's what he was saying. And then go to Jeremiah 23, 5-6. I, I, I like this. I found something in the Scripture, and I hope I can explain this. In Jeremiah 23, 5-6, written this was written in 599 B.C. The prophet proclaims, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby ye shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. Now, I want to show you something. This is really, really cool. Uh, if anybody else knows, I'm gonna be upset because I, I think I may be the only one on the planet who knows this. It said, uh, Sister Kim Evans. All right, I'm not gonna pick on you anymore. I just want to, you're a smart you're a smart person. I hate admitting it. Yes, he will Now, you can read that scripture a couple different ways. He said that I will raise unto David if you If you raise unto some somebody if you raise up something unto somebody, this is the picture you would get. God comes over here and he says. He's going to raise it up. Do you understand what I'm saying? From a reader's standpoint, when you read that, it looks as though that God is separate from what he is raising up. He said, I will raise up unto David a branch. Does that what it looks like? Isn't that correct? It looks like it says that, doesn't it? It doesn't mean that at all. He said, now listen to me, listen to me. He said, thus saith the Lord that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. Now listen to what raise unto means in the Strong's Concordance. This is what that means. To rise, arise, stand, rise up, stand up. To arise, to arise in a hostile sense, to arise, become powerful, to arise or come on the scene. He said, I'm personally. He didn't say that I was going to raise up a branch. I, he wasn't saying that I was the power behind the Raising up the flesh, if you will. Because the branch, Jesus is the, was the branch. He was the literal branch which gave life. He said, I'm going to raise. That's what that scripture means. And, I, you know, I, I get so burnt out of, of hearing people that say, oh, how can Jesus be, be the this, uh, this same God? This, how, can, how can He be the Son of God and how can He be God in the flesh? I, I, I don't get how people believe that they're separate. Yeah. It, it, it frustrates me that I even have to explain that. When you see it, when He says that I will raise unto David a righteous branch... And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment. And this king, the Bible says that he would come through the lineage of Judah. He would come through the lineage of Judah. Does anybody know what Judah means? Praise. That he chose this Messiah to be birthed out of the lineage of Judah. He was the stock of Judah. What's the Bible say? That God inhabits the praise of His people. So this God, what He was truly saying, listen to me, what He was truly saying when He brought Jesus through the lineage of praise, or Judah, He said, this is the woman that's going to have... Put me, I'm going to be in her womb. And I'm going to come through this lineage. When God spoke that word when He said, And uh, God inhabits the praises of His people. He was literally meaning that I was going to birth myself through the lineage of Judah. And both Joseph and Mary come from the lineage of Judah. Through the lineage of praise. Isn't that interesting? I bet everybody here knew that. Didn't you? I think it's pretty neat. In Isaiah 7.14, if you have that, it was written around 742 B.C. The Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel." When it, meant, when it said, he shall call his name Emmanuel, Emmanuel was, was describing who Jesus was. Jesus Christ is the greatest name that's ever been spoken. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's Jesus Christ. That's the greatest name. But the Bible says his name shall be called Emmanuel, which was describing who Jesus was. And Emmanuel, we all know, means God with us. He's walking around. And so, I don't really underst- know if Mary and Joseph really understood who was walking around in that crib when, they, when he was two years old. I don't really know if 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 Joseph had grasped do I need out she's about to die. I don't know if Joseph really understood when he was teaching this young man, I need I need your help. He's teaching Jesus how to hammer a nail and saw a board. I don't know if it really, really uh, he understood you know what? You deserve everything I give you. So, he's teaching, he's teaching this child how to hammer, and all of a sudden it hits him. This is Emmanuel. I'm teaching this kid how to swing a hammer when the fact is that this kid in the Spirit hung the sun, moon, and stars on nothing and separated light from darkness. And so he's born of a woman and on his mama's side, he's limited. On his mama's side, he's walking by the sea. And then on his daddy's side, he comes. So he he, he has to grasp it. And he has to wrap his mind around it. And so all of a sudden he understands this, that he has God with us in his house. It boggles my mind, I know. I know my kids, none of them are... <laughs> oh. There was 109 specific prophecies of the coming of the Messiah... Many different prophets gave these prophecies between the years 1000 B.C. and 500 B.C. These prophecies have been fulfilled in one person showing the Bible to be accurate and that God Himself become and, and, and show up in the flesh... And there's, uh, there's other, the, I want to pro- look at this, let's see. Isaiah 9 and 6 is one of the greatest scriptures in the Word of God that, 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 was a, that was a prophecy and foretelling of this Jesus Christ being God in the flesh. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Excuse me every I, I believe every Christian organization agrees this scripture is about Jesus. Does anybody believe that this scripture is not about jesus it 's about Jesus Christ. They all proclaim to, it to be the prophecy about the promised Messiah. It is important to us to uh, to note that this uh, that, that, uh, that this prophecy is about Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that the government shall be Upon his shoulder. Now, notice it said shoulder and not shoulders. Does, does anybody understand what that was meaning, what that referred to? The government shall be up on his shoulder. Does anybody understand what that means? Come on, you all, somebody knows. In the old days, when a king ruled a kingdom, he would walk around the city with a large key and he draped it on his shoulder and he walked around with it and what it was what it was saying without him saying is i own this establishment i own these four walls nobody comes in without me knowing nobody goes out without me knowing i know everything i own everything in here and when it said the government shall be up on his shoulders The key that that king carried represented authority. And because it sat upon his shoulder, it was referring to partly his head. He was the head of everything. And that's what the Scripture in Isaiah 9 and 6 was saying, that this king that's coming, this child, this Christ child, the government will be upon his shoulder. In other words, he will be carrying around the key and that he has authority to everything. He he can speak the sickness, and it has to be healed. He can walk on the waters. He can can, uh, heal the blinded eye. He can tell the deaf man to come out of the grave, and it has to listen. Why? Because he has a key on his shoulders. He has authority over everything. That's what that meant. And his name shall be called Wonderful, which means a miracle or a marvelous thing. And counselor means to advise or resolve or counsel. Mighty means that he was a powerful champion God, the Almighty. Mighty God, it says, Mighty God. I've talked to uh, people before uh, that they were a different of uh, different faith. Um, and I, I, I pointed out that scripture, and it, it said... When they said, I quoted that scripture to them, they said, Notice it said that he was a mighty God and not the almighty God. You ever heard that? That was their argument. But what was funny, what's funny is, in context, if you study that, mighty means powerful champion. And when it said God, guess what it means? Almighty. He was. Almighty God, Father, the Prince of Peace, Prince, Head, Person, Steward. and Peace means prosperity and peace. This is an amazing prophecy because it tells us that the Messiah is the Almighty God and the Father. God of creation, before Jesus came, He was the Almighty God. And that scripture tells us that there was coming a child, that He would become the Almighty God. Now, God is a jealous God, and He doesn't share His power with anybody else. And I'm going to tell you something. His Son, if it was His Son is separate from Him, He would not be called the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, and the government would not be set up on His shoulders or shoulder. It, he would be, it would be totally separate, totally separate. I had some. Where's my? I wrote. I wrote some other scriptures. Isaiah nine and six. What was that other scripture? That I, I did I give you another scripture after that that was not on. Okay. Yeah, that's that's. I I, I jumped ahead of myself. Let me go on, let me just go on. The very foundational scripture of the Old Testament is known known as the Shema. It It is very important to the Jews, and they were to recite it often and teach it to their children diligently. Orthodox Jews pronounce each word carefully and cover their eyes with their right hand. Many of them recite this passage twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. The Shema is a declaration of faith in one God. See, they, they understood that that is where they get their comfort, knowing that we have one God. There's no confusion. They, they, they understand who they have to answer to. They have an understanding of who they would repent to. And when the fact is, when the belief of more than one God, there comes a lot of confusion to people. Who do you, who do you pray to? Who do you pray to? I've had people, I've talked to people about baptism. They said, well, if you baptize in the name of Jesus, you're leaving out the Father. And I asked them, simply, why do you get baptized? And most of them don't know. Well, they they say, well, the Scripture says to get baptized. But the fact is, the reason that we get baptized is because it is a a type and shadow and obedience to Jesus' burial. Repentance represents death. Baptism represents burial. The Holy Ghost is is uh, reference to resurrection power. Death, barren, resurrection. One without the you're in trouble if you ain't got one of them. If you just if you just repent, you're dead. You're just dead. If you if you repent and be baptized, you're dead and buried. There's no resurrection power. The Bible says the holy the Holy Ghost is the uh, the power that's going to resurrect us in the last hour. So I, I ask them, why do we get baptized anyway? Well, be, because we have to. No, it's because Jesus was buried, and we also need to be buried like Jesus Christ was. So when I get baptized, if I, I'm not trying to confuse you, if God is separate from Jesus and we want to get baptized in the name of the Father, He didn't have, in your mind, it did, He didn't have anything to do with your baptism. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody... I wasn't very clear, I know. I'm going to have to explain that. It's my fault. Baptism represents Jesus, His burial. And if He's the one that saved me from my sins, then I'm going to give Him the credit for it. The fact is that He's God anyway. He gets credit. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. And when I get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, I I don't have to mention Father or Holy Ghost. I'm getting, when I get Jesus, I get it all. Because he's called Emmanuel, which is God with us, and a name is, uh, is, is power, It means his, his name is power. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, which is Jesus Christ. So we, that, is, that is how we should get baptized. That is how we get baptized. Matthew twenty eight nineteen said, Go ye therefore baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Those all three are titles. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are titles. When we get baptized in Jesus' name, we're getting baptized in the name singular of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ. When you pray for your children, you, get, you pray for them in Jesus' name. When you uh pray for your dinner, you pray in Jesus name. The Bible says whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Why can't we baptize in the name of Jesus? Well, why don't why don't people sit down at a restaurant and pray uh bless this uh lunch in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Why do they leave out why why why, why can't they uh just do that? Why do they leave out the Father and the Holy Ghost when they you know why? is People want to eat quick, so they... I don't know how I got off on that. The first line of the Shema is found in Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now I'm going to say this, and you're not going to understand this. Shema. It's right. it's... I'm trying to roll it. It's, it's really Shema is... Rael, it rolls like Urmbayev. Shma Israel, is, <laughs> Adonai Eloenu, Adonai Ika. Did you guys ever sing that song? Shma Israel, Adonai Eloenu, Adonai Ika. Did you ever see that? That it's not like this. When we was at Brother Solomon's church, we sang a song. Shma Israel, Adonai. Eloenu, idunah, Ika. We sing that all the time. It was one of our main songs. This passage tells us that our Lord is one Lord. It does not say that there is two. It says there is one, and they had to learn it. They understood the significance of it and they passed it down to their children. All throughout the Old Testament, we can read about this truth over and over again. God has declared to his people that there is only one God. There is no other. He is declared to be the one and the only Lord and Savior, and beside him there is no other. I feel like I'm see, I I feel like teaching this, I, I keep thinking, Well, these people already know what I'm telling them. It's like telling a joke and someone says, I already heard it. It kind of takes the fun out of it. But we know it. But can I I tell you, we can't hear it enough. We can't hear it enough. We need to ingrain this stuff in our children. Our children ought to know who God is. I'm going to... I, I've been meaning to do this for a while, but I, I've been meaning 50 scriptures we should teach our children. That's and I'm gonna I'm gonna write it out, and it's it's uh, there's probably I know there's a lot more than 50, but I'm gonna pick out 50 scriptures I believe that our children should know. They should get it down in their heart. David said, uh, uh, David said that uh, that he needed to know the word of the Lord. Why? so he may not sin against God. When we have the Word of God in our spirit, then we are more prone to overcome sin. There are many verses that declare the power and the authority of God from the Scriptures. We can see there can only be one God. The Old Testament shows God as the Almighty, Savior, Creator of all things, all power I am, and the first and the last. And uh, Genesis uh, 17 and 1, God is... The Almighty One. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty. Walk before me and be thou perfect. He said, I am the Almighty God. Scripture, A few scriptures before, the Bible says that Jesus Christ would be the, the Almighty God. There is not two Almighty God's. God is the Savior, Isaiah 43 and 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Again, I don't want to keep sounding redundant, but if God and Jesus are two totally separate individuals, I, I, saying this sounds really sacrilegious, if they are two separate individuals, Jesus is the one that made the sacrifice. Well, I know the Trinitarians say, well, he sacrificed his own son. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to throw my son in f- under a bus to save somebody else. I'm going to tell you that right now. It, that, it, that is a coward thing. It is a cowardly thing to think that, that God is here and Jesus is there and God, He lives in splendor and He's not going to have to suffer. He raises up a son. That just absolutely, absolutely infuriates me to think that somebody would believe that the loving and kind God that I serve would have a child kick Him out of the portals of heaven and say, Hey, go do my dirty business. It ticks me off to think that people would even think that. Unless God wrapped Himself in flesh and He came and He dwelt among us. The Lord created all things by Himself. Isaiah 44, uh, 24. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer and he that has formed thee from the the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things that stretcheth forth the heavens alone. He said, I did it by myself. I didn't need any help that spreadeth the heavens alone, that spreadeth ab- ab- abroad the earth by Myself. Go to John 1, through 1-4. This is not on your paper. Notice, God had just spoke it, that He said He did this alone. Isaiah 44 and 24. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, And without him was not anything made that was made. Talking about God, okay? In him was life in God. And the life was the light of men. God, the light, same. And the light shineth in the darkness. The darkness is talking about the world. The light of God began to shine in the world. And the darkness comprehended it not. You know what the darkness stands for is the Jews, his people. They didn't understand who he was. They couldn't comprehend him. This guy here, he's the Messiah. They're seeing the light, the darkness. They couldn't comprehend it. Then it changes. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light that all men through him might believe. Go on. He was not that light, talking about John. John was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, talking about the God. God was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now look at this. The light that John just got done saying, I'm not the light, I'm just here to represent Him. I'm here to bear witness of this God, the Word. The Word. I'm here to bear witness... Of the word. That was the true light which lighteth, uh, cometh into the world. He was in the world, this light. And the world was made by him. God had said in Isaiah 44 that he alone made the world. I don't have to explain what alone means, do I? He came to his own, his own received him not. His own was His people, the Jews. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on His name, Jesus Christ, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Because God the Spirit, He overshadowed Mary. And she was born impregnated with a child. And the Word... Now listen, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. So that right there just said that the one that was the light that came into this world that the Jews couldn't recognize or comprehend, it said that He made the world. Here it says that God himself alone, he spread the heavens alone and, and, and made the earth. So, God and Jesus, same. Right? God has all power, First Chronicles 29 and 12. Both riches and honor come to thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great. And to give strength unto all. You don't have to do Matthew 28 and 18. Hey, yeah, go ahead and put it up there. Matthew 28 18. Now I'm going to get in trouble here. I'm going to try to explain this. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Someone might say, who gave him that power? If he is God, who gave him that power? That them words come from the flesh, that was begotten that had a beginning. Okay? God, his spirit, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. He overshadowed Mary, she was impregnated with this baby, she has this baby. Okay? He was the father of that seed. And I don't have to explain to you the birds and the bees. Uh, Y'all are adults. You know how kids are born. But this spirit puts a seed in that woman. And in in that sense, he was the father in relationship. When people say that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, The word son is an office that God held. He's called the only reason, listen to me, the only reason that Jesus Christ is called God or the Son of God is because that the Spirit put the seed in that woman. And in that sense, he was the father of that seed. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was a relationship. So you and I could understand it. So God, he puts his seed in a woman. He, he, he wraps himself in flesh. He's birthed. His name's Emmanuel. His name's God with us. And he says, All power has been given unto me. Now, listen to me. I know this sounds really st- stupid. But think about it. If God and Jesus were separate and he gave him all power, where's God's power? He's up in heaven, he's just uh, He's on his throne. He doesn't you you think about it. Jesus said all power has been given unto me. All inclusive. Everything. I got it all. In other words, now Jesus Christ is the head of it all, and God is somewhere, man, I wish I I wish I wouldn't have gave Him all that power. What am I going to do now? That was the humanity part of God, saying, I have it inside me. I have all power. That was the flesh talking. Do you understand that? So when people ask you, how did Jesus get all power? Now you can tell them how he got all power and what that means. God is the I am, Exodus 3 and 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus saith, uh, th- thou shalt uh, say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I'm going to hurry, I'm I'm about to close. God is the first and the last. God is the first and the the last. Isaiah 44 and 6 says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no other God. Do you have that Revelations one there? And unto the angel of the church of Samaria, write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Talking about Jesus. Jesus Christ, I don't have to keep going through it and rehashing it. God was the first and the last. There's a lot of similarities there, in there. To the, from this Jesus and this God in there. It's, a, it's amazing how, ma- how many similarities that these two have. That Jesus Christ is the I Am. And God is the I Am. And Jesus Christ is our Savior. And that God is our Savior. And it, it appeared that if we're Trinity, that there's a power struggle. Because God has all power, and Jesus has all power. Unless we understand understand that Jesus Christ is literally God in the flesh. How in the world could we ever identify? Think about how big this universe is. Think about it. Some 96,000 miles to the sun, is that what it is? 96,000 miles or something like that. There's, there could, you could fit a thousand earths on the sun. That's how big the sun is. And there's a Milky Way. They, they've not even tapped in outside our Milky Way. They cannot fathom how big and vast our Milky Way is. And then they say, well, there's, there's millions of Milky Ways. I don't know how they even know that. They can't even fathom their, our own Milky Way. And there's millions of Milky Ways. And he, God spoke this world into existence. Without Jesus, you take Jesus Christ, the body, out of the picture. How in the world could we identify with a God like that? And a God that has everything in the palm sitting in His hand. And it's His. And everything has to obey Him. Everything works through His power and through His Word. And if the universe is that big, and he created it, and he owns it, and he's in charge of it, how big of a God would he have to be? And for God to love us is one thing, but for us to love a God, and for us to identify with a God like him, it, it, it seems kind of cold and, and not very personable. And so God, he, the Bible says before the foundations of the world that he, that the lamb was slain. So he made a way for us to know him before all the creation. And so that was the only way for us to identify with a God that great and that powerful. So I I want to tell you something. All that stuff, my my brain can't even comprehend how big this world is. And God's got it all in His hand. He's in control of of it all. Every bit of power and authority belongs or is in Jesus Christ. So when we're the children of Christ, we're the sons of daughters of Him. And we're baptized in the name of Jesus. We've got it all. Some people say, well, why do you want to leave the Father and the Holy Ghost out? The fact is that there's a lot more to God than just saying Father and Holy Ghost. It's all in Jesus. Find me 1 Timothy 3.16 real quick. I'm gonna read. You've, all, you've all seen it. You've all read it. This is probably something I know in the next few chapters Brother Robertson is going to bring out. And without controversy, without any argument, great is the mystery of godliness. It was a mystery. God was manifest in the flesh. Manifesting, manifest means to change forms without changing substance. Ice and rain. Temperature changes, the form changes. But it didn't change substance. Manifestation doesn't mean that they changed. They manifested into something else. He was just the same power. Okay, God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. God was seen of angels. God preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up in the glory. God was. God did all those things. And it was because God dwelt in that body that we call Jesus. Let's stand. I love, I really do love talking about this. I, I, uh, it seems like every time I get up to teach, I want to preach it. And I got to get out of the habit of wanting to preach it. Because I, I really do love to preach. And it's it, teaching, it, uh, it's fun, but to me, preaching, it. it I guess I'm more prone to preach. But I love I love knowing who God is. I love knowing that that when I'm driving down the road, that this great, vast God, huge God, He's so personable. Why? Because I've been baptized in His name. That's, it's just awesome. And I'm created, and you're created in His image. And He looked down through history, and He saw... A man called Jesus, and he said, Okay, before I, before I breathe breath, the breath of air in that body, I'm going to make Adam like him. I know it's hard to fathom. But we're created in his image. Image is simplicity, the simple terms. Go look in the mirror. Jesus Christ is the image of, of an invisible God. It's, it's just incredible. I'm thankful to know that he's a personal God of mine. I'm, I'm glad to know that any time that, that I need him, I call on his name. I don't say, hey God. I say, hey Jesus. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your simplicity and your all power and knowing everything. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for, for what you've done for us. We thank you for your revealing power of your word. God, we ask you, God, that we would not stop learning, but God, help us to grow in you and grow in knowledge. God, and we thank you for it all. God, we ask your protection for your people in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Shake somebody's hand. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.